Welcome to So You Want to Be a Witch, the podcast for soul-centered entrepreneurs and the people who love them. Welcome back to So You Want to Be a Witch. I am your host, Sarah M. Chapel. The middle initial, it stands for Mansfield. Just your little, your little bonus information before we even dive into this episode today. Sorry, I've had so much fucking coffee, which is great because I'm so excited. <laughs> we have... Uh, I think I say this every time is because I get to talk with the coolest fucking people. Britton Boyd of Archaic Honey is is here with me on on the internet talking. Well, she's not talking yet, um, but they will be um, about magic, astrology, tarot, having a business. What? I'm almost a little bit embarrassed because I think I just I just fangirled um, all over this because that was super slick. But hey, Britton, welcome. Hello, hi. It's so good to be here and talk with you. <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was a little chaotic of an intro, but um, I'm hoping it reflects my enthusiasm, if not my eloquence. Who are you and what do you do in this world? Who I am? Well, the first thing I always want to share with people about who I am is that I am an Aries sun, Aries moon, and an Aquarius rising. Oh. I am a full-time witch. I specialize in reading tarot doing astrology, weaving in herbalism and plant magic, folk magic, and making potions. That's what I do. And you have an awesome dog. An awesome dog. Yes, I do. She is really wonderful. She's my, she's actually my, one of my spirit allies. Um, I had dreams of her and visions of her for probably five years before I found her. Really? Or actually I should say she found me. Yeah. It was crazy. Like always had dreams of a white, a white kind of bully breed looking dog, even though she's not a pit bull, she looks like one. Um, yeah, it's wild. And then one day it just hit me. I pulled the fool <laughs> tarot card. I was ready to get a dog. And uh, the deck I was using had a little white dog in it. I was using the pagan Otherworlds deck and I was like, all right, I got to go, got to go get my dog. <laughs> And you went and she was there? She was there, yeah. A whole litter of puppies. She was like one of the few uh, of the white puppies. And I just sat down in this yard made of like dirt. (laughs) (laughs) And I just plopped down. I was feeling very sad. I was going through a pretty uh, rough transition at the time. And I had like 10 puppies tackle me. (laughs) And it was the most wonderful feeling. And she stayed in my lap and she just rolled over and she looked me in the eyes and I was like, it's you. Oh Oh my God. Yeah. That's how we found each other. Okay. That makes me want to cry. I, I would, I would welcome more, more witch doggies in my life. Come on down friends. Just going to put that Mm -hmm. invitation out there. So (laughs) when you're not trying to keep your very, very sweet spirit, friend dog from chewing your stuff. How do you incorporate, you mean you full-time witch, love that term. What does that really mean? What does your like daily life look like as somebody who is supporting themselves with these skills? Well, I think that it, I try not to create dichotomies in my life. And so when I say full-time, I mean like that both in like the personal and in my work life, it's just like what I do, I'm always on in that way. And recently I had a friend ask me, they were like, is witch like a title that you occasionally take off? 
Like, do you like set it aside and just be normal for a little while? <laughs> and I was like, no, no, I can't. Like, it's just a part. It's like in my body. It's in my blood. I feel so the daily, you want to know what my daily life looks like? Yeah. What, what does it mean for you? <laughs> well, I guess where my mind is going is like how like waking up and making coffee and sitting down and journaling, those kinds of things like routine. That's kind of where it comes in for me is having like a daily practice and being kind of constantly in awareness of that. That's kind of hard to describe right now. That's cool. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I love this idea of, I mean, it's such an interesting question is which a title you can take off. And I have a, per, I have a similar experience. I don't, I don't think so. There's times when I am, let's say, avoiding it less, but it's not like something that goes away. So I love this idea of not creating the dichotomy. I think a lot of folks come into this podcast, they, they see the title, it's called, So You Want to Be a Witch. And I think we're going to like talk about candle magic or something, but for me, so much of this is like, what is it to move through your life, all of it, when this is part of who you are? Um, and something I'm not actually sure is a choice, personally, but like that, like that's right. it, it, it's kind of hard to be like, this is what I do every day as a witch. I was like, yeah, I wake up and I make coffee. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of the most magical acts one can do as a witch. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. I mean, it's essentially a very, very specific form of herbal tea. So. Yes. <laughs> and caffeine is magical. Yes, it is. And the whole act of, of making it and it fueling my day. But really, I think what it also kind of comes into is having like touchstones throughout the day. And that kind of like one thing being coffee or like a ritual that I do before bed is like occasionally or frequently I will leave a glass of water by my bed and pray for dreams. I have like, well, not, I don't like to toot my own horn, <laughs> but I guess I will. I'm a very strong dreamer. I have a gift for dreaming and having premonitions or getting information uh, from spirit through dreams. So I make sure to cultivate that. And then that kind of like, it just weaves in through my whole day and like my lived experience and um, informs my practice as well. So it's just like, what would be using air quotes here, considered mundane activities become magical and embodied acts of witchcraft and like living it, being a witch through the day. Let's talk about mun. Yeah. Let's talk about mundane because it's one of my favorite words because I kind of don't believe in it. So what do you tell me more about, um, yeah, these mundane acts being magical. So like doing your dishes, Yes, it could be considered a really boring, asinine thing (laughs) that we have to do every day that we don't like to do, but it's like spiritual cleanliness, you know? You can add certain oils, like essential oils, to your dish soap, and like just keeping your space tidy. Also, sweeping is a hugely magical act. Like you are literally sweeping out energy or sweeping energy in to your house and kind of like. Like if someone you don't like was in your house, you could sprinkle some herbs on the floor and then just sweep it out and like sweep them out and be like, get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) You know? So yeah, those are kind of like the, the mundane things that I think of. 
Yeah, I, I just love, it makes me so happy that you mentioned that because I think sometimes we start to think that, that, that as a practice, this is always like, I don't know, like being naked under the moon or depending right. where, where you're coming from, wearing really like billowy robes with like bejeweled crescents on your brow or whatever, which is cool. Yeah, I guess. Sure. <laughs> I have no bejeweled crescents in my life, so I can't speak to that. But, um, but there's this idea that like, what witchcraft really is or could be if you wanted it is a practice and a practice just means it's, it's something you, you do. It's like part of you, how you engage in, with the world. Yes. It's embodiment. It's not the, um, I mean, Instagram is a very beautiful place, but <laughs> I think that, you know, social media has created this, um, this, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? A facade. Is that of what witchcraft is with the bejeweled uh, crowns and crescents and the billowy like velvet um, dresses and things like that? Like it can be that. Witchcraft, witchcraft to me is not necessarily about rites, which are things that we would do periodically. Like to me, like it's ritual. With ritual is something that you do every day, like brushing your teeth is a ritual. Does that make sense? Totally. So I have to like, I have to call it back even further to Instagram because my first like introduction to what I will call witchcraft was like, was like Scott Cunningham and Silver Raven Wolf back in the day. <laughs> and, oh yeah. And, but there is something, I mean, in the, the images there, I have the, I have the old Scott Cunningham books and like the, the pictures, like they all like give this like vibe of like, if you know, if you don't have a robe with like some Celtic, like something on it, then you're not quite doing this right. Right. <laughs> I think aesthetics have always been kind of interlocked with, with the practice. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And aesthetics, like, are, I think aesthetics can be a, a very important thing and can set a tone, but this, I think, um, this popular aesthetic doesn't have to be your aesthetic. Like, if your aesthetic is being a dog mom, witch, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go for it. It doesn't make your practice any more in, like, valid or invalid, if that makes sense. Oh, it totally does. And as a stay-at-home dog mom, my preferred title, I <laughs> I really feel that. <laughs> yeah, same. Stay-at-home dog mom life is is the best life. So, how did you come to uh, how did you come to this practice, and how did you come to integrating this with your work, like your professional work? Oh gosh, so how did I come to witchcraft? Yeah, good question. Oh boy. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know. This might get a little deep and dark here. But I, I, I'm here for it. If you're here for you're it, I'm here, here for it. it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My son, um, getting a little astrology nerd here, my son is opposite Pluto. So I'm always kind of looking into the eyes of the Lord of Darkness. So I really love to go into these deep, dark places into into all of that. <laughs> so um, as a child, I was raised in a very um, strict Christian household. And, you know, a lot of people who see me being into what I'm into and doing what I do with witchcraft are like, oh, well, of course you were, you were like a homeschooled Christian kid and now you're just rebelling. That's not the case for me. I, I don't necessarily agree with a lot of what I was brought up with in Christianity, but I integrated that 
it gave me a strong faith and belief system and really opened me up to powerful spiritual experiences. And I knew in my heart and like in my body, there was more than just like one God, (laughs) you know, and like one experience there. So one day my dad, I don't remember the question that he asked me, but this was kind of the, the, the switch that got flipped for me. He asked me a question about what I would do in a situation and whatever my answer was, I don't recall my answer. All I remember him doing was pointing at me at my heart. And he, he pointed at me and he said, that's witchcraft. And he's like, you can't do that. (laughs) And so, yeah, since then that kind of, that just, it stirred something in me. And then progressively, as I got older, um, as a teenager, I met, I had some friends who identified as pagan and that then like, you know, spurred on more interest. And eventually my parents discovered my being interested in this stuff. I was giving books from the library and all of that. And they kind of shut it down. They gave me the whole, you're going to hell lecture. And so... And, you know, they really restricted my ability to do research or get my own information about stuff. So I just, I just turned it off. And then many years later, when I was about 24 or 25, I was living far away from my family. I'd moved to Portland, Oregon. And I, this sounds so silly. I was unemployed. I had just been bullied out of a job. I was working as a professional uh, line cook in a fine dining restaurant and I was unemployed and watching Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) As, as you do. And, um, waiting to hear back from some jobs. And I watched a documentary on the witch trials and it all just came flooding back into me. I was like, Oh my God, here it is. And so from, from then on, I really just dove deep, pretty deeply into the practice. So that was how it got started for me. <laughs> I, the visual of your father pointing at your heart is, definitely seems to echo, I imagine, what, what was on Netflix, right? It's like, <laughs> like, like you're a witch! <laughs> Oh my gosh. I think it's so interesting, though, that so many folks that I do encounter who have kind of these stories where... The, the initial awakening, it can it doesn't always flow into an active practice. There's these types of su- like suppression almost and like that almost seems built into one one of the many, but one of the the kind of primary archetypal journeys that I see to people who come to witchcraft as a practice. It's like there's this period of like shut it down. Right. That's very true because our culture our culture really tries to shut shut that down and it's kind of successful however you know and I think like the past 75 years there's been a pretty major resurgence happening especially recently uh yeah big big moves happening so when did you start learning like tarot astrology like how did these tools start to come into your into your magical toolkit well tarot was the first thing that came to me and that um I went out and bought my own deck there's this this uh myth that floats around about how you're not supposed to buy your own tarot deck. (laughs) And I ask me this a lot and I'm like, it's bullshit. 
don't believe it. Go buy your own tarot deck. It's not going to like make it less magical. <laughs> if anything, it could be more magical. But I went out and I bought my first deck. It was Rider Weight. I still have it uh, when I was 24. And I just, for whatever reason, I was like, I have to work with the tarot. I have to learn this. And I have practiced pretty much every day since then. Um, I don't know how or why <laughs> I've been practicing that like very intensely for that long, but it's just something I felt very dedicated to do. Um, and then I also found um, through the Lucky Mojo Curio Company, they have a radio show called was it the Hoodoo Root Work Hour show or something like that? And I used to listen to that show a whole lot. And the host, Kat Ironwood, she would throw bones. And her bone throwing practice got me really interested into bone throwing and creating my own set and my own system of uh, divination in that way. So I uh, created my own set. And then I combined the two, bone reading and tarot, together. And um, that was pretty crazy and wild. Um, experience. <laughs> what is what is divination to you? What is it that you're doing when you're working with bones or working with the cards? They're both a little bit different for me. I feel that with the tarot, there's you know the system using like the Rider weight system, or if you use another system like the Thoth deck. So it has kind of like its base traditional meaning. So it has kind of like a built-in structure that you can work with there, but it still is though very for me personally, intuitive. Like I look at the imagery and relating to the person or myself in the situations or just like uh, spirit sometimes just drops something in your head and you know what I mean? You're a tarot reader. <laughs> I, I do indeed. <laughs> You're like, I don't know where this is coming from, but... And then with bone reading, it uh, is very much like working with a living a living, breathing organism that has multiple personalities all wrapped up into it. Like each piece has its own spirit. Um, and so it's almost like a, a hive mind. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's pretty intense. Uh, and I haven't, um, I've kind of, I set that practice aside for a little while and I will be picking it back up again here soon. I'm kind of, I keep them wrapped up in a cloth, uh, and a handkerchief that was my belonged to my grandmother and I sleep with them next to my head so that we have this connection um so yeah it feels bone reading feels far more like intuitive and spirit-led and tarot kind of has like its structure already in place you get that intuitive hit mm -hmm. as well I mean it comes with tarot but that's one of the things I actually see like folks let the structure get in the way of their intuition so frequently. So I'm really kind of curious about this idea of like how actively you're building a relationship with, with your bones when you're creating this. Can you talk a bit more about how you go about creating a set? Oh, my bone throwing set? Yeah. Yeah. So it's very different for everyone. I bought a base set from uh, Lucky Mojo, she had uh, for sale like some basic components for your starter set. And then I kept some of those items 
and removed a few of them that weren't working for me or just not speaking to me. And then one day, like a few days after I had gotten a set, I went around my house and I was like, okay, who wants to be a part of this? <laughs> and I have all of these, like I have a collection of like just things that I have found and trinkets and stuff that I have saved. I also do collect when appropriate animal bones that I find like roadkill or if I'm just taking a hike and I happen to find an animal um, carcass um, or bones, I'll take them home and clean them. And so when I bring in, when I first started my set, I brought in a whole bunch of new stuff and I just put them all together. But now when I bring in a new piece, I take a little bit more time with it. So if it is an animal bone, specifically, I try to connect with the animal itself. I use smoke and um, like incense and Florida water to cleanse and feed them. Feeding to me is more important than I guess, air quotes, cleansing them. Because you want to appease the spirit and see if they want to work with you. And then I get a sense of where they came from. Usually they'll give me an impression of what their life was like or how they even died. And then I bring them in to the fold, so to speak. I will not usually immediately assign a meaning to them. For example, I added in a crow's wing bone. And when I added it in, I decided like to not immediately assign it a meaning. I was just gonna throw it into the bone set, work with it and see how they showed up and see what they had to say. And as time went on, it was like, okay, this is very mercurial. You're a, me you know, you're a bird, you're a messenger and all this. And they're very, very chatty, very loud as crows are. And they almost always speak in the reading. So I kind of allow the bones to take, to show me their meaning. There's a layer here that I'd like to, I'd like to kind of go to the, the more basic um, part of this. If maybe you can share with folks who maybe aren't, aren't as familiar with this way of working with, with the wider world. Um, but you mentioned each of the bones having their own, their own spirit. Can you tell us a little bit about what that means and, and what it means to be working with different spirits? Right. Well, I think what that kind of comes into is um, a belief in animism, which is the belief that all things contain a spirit. I think this also kind of ties back to being a witch. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, and I think like animism is inherent in witchcraft. It's just this everything is living and breathing. Um the the laptop that you're using, the iPad I'm using have spirits to me, <laughs> as well as like the table and the coffee cup that I'm drinking out of right now. Everything comes from somewhere and every place has like a resonance. And I believe that these objects carry resonances of where they have come from and what they have been through. And just trying to like figure out what to say about that. It's more of like uh, more feeling now than it is words. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I relate to that a lot. And I, I think we'll link up um, my friend Renzata Peck's episode in the show notes because she talks a little bit about she teaches spirit work and has like some more words to go with the feeling that we're talking about. But I just appreciate you sharing a little bit about that because I think 
you know, sometimes, especially in Instagram land, animism is this kind of like, it seems to extend as far as plants, maybe. <laughs> like, or there's like, there, right. there's, there's kind of layers to it. And I think that it's really interesting to, to move through the world working with a framework where everything has spirit. And that means that everything has personality, certainly has meaning, has, has right. uh, I, I, as you mentioned, you know, the resonance of where it's been and, and the experiences that, this, that these, these, these spirits have had and how that then does directly influence or can, you know, any divinatory work that you're doing with, well, physical, tangible manifestations of spirit. Mm, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And then I feel that um, like in my bone, in my bone reading work, it definitely shows up. And I think that's what if someone is interested in beginning a bone reading practice, having that taking that approach can very much deepen your spiritual connection, you opening up to spirit, and having very good, good wild readings. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite readings of all time is the one that you did for me with Tarot and Bones. It'll have been three years ago because it was before I moved to Asheville. And uh, you very perceptively said that it shouldn't move right away. But I ignored you. And I did. And it was really hard. <laughs> it was one of the best lessons I ever got <laughs> in terms of in that intersection of like free will and what's available to you and the information that we can receive and whether or not you choose to listen to it. <laughs> so. Right? Yeah. And you know, I remember that too, when I gave you the reading and then I saw that you were moving, I was like, oh, she's going to do it. Yes. <laughs> like, I was happy for you. And I was like, she's about to go on a wild adventure. Um, <laughs> That's such a nice way to know? put it. A wild adventure sounds so much nicer than what happened. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Well, that's what we do. You know, I've gotten readings, um, you know, that were clearly like, do not go down this path. I'm like, well, fuck y'all. And it leads you to some, it, it, it's like, it's not wrong. You know no. what I mean? Like um, my moving out here to where I'm at currently, I made a huge uh, leap in love and trust and left my community to go across the state, I was given very clear signs of no, mm -hmm. to not do it, but I did it anyway. And I am very thankful for the experience, even though it was hard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you heard it here mm -hmm. first. Readers don't listen to messages either. It's fine. <laughs> We're all human. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, I will never forget that. It was so, I, I still remember... Yeah, that that's one of the few readings that has really stuck out in my mind over the years. What you gave me, which was like, well, you could do this now, but it'll be extra hard. And I was like, great, let's do it. That's right. So now you've taken this practice, and you actually this is your your second business. You've been in business with, for yourself or or working with yourself for a while. Um, but how mm -hmm. does this? How do these practices now actually feed you? Oh well, they pay my bills. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, they, you know, it was, um, it was like work that I had to do that if I did not do the work that I'm doing now, reading, engaging with spirit and all of this, um, I knew that I wanted to go very deeply with it. So I was like, I have to be able to make a living at this. 
that was my deep, deep calling. And I sort of, in many ways, having my own free will, I also went to spirit and my ancestors, plant allies, etc. And we're like, okay, like, I'm gonna just follow y'all's lead. I'm just tell me what to do. Point to the path and I will go. And I will trust. <laughs> and so it's been challenging, but in vulnerable work and healing work, I feel that in doing this work, I am healing myself while supporting and working with other people as well. So one of the questions I get asked a lot is, how did you do it? As I, I assume they mean like get to a place where you are getting paid. Um, so I'm going to turn that one on you. Britton, how did you do it? How did I do it? Okay, so <laughs> going back when I was talking about, uh, you know, I guess my awakening, my spiritual awakening, when I was 24, I had been working um, as a professional cook for many, many years. And that was what I was going to do. I was going to become a chef. And I got very brutally bullied out of a job. It was a terrible, terrible experience. I never wanted to cook again. And um, as I was unemployed, I had a hobby on the side of making soap, um, handmade soap. I really loved soap and perfuming. I was really interested in making like my own bath and body and skincare. So to make ends meet while I was jobless and having a very hard time finding a job, I put my stuff up on Etsy and it was kind of an overnight success. So that was kind of how I launched into self-employment. And years down the road, I did that work for about nine to 10 years. It supported myself and three other people. It grew and grew and grew. And I got very burned out, very, very burned out. And my business partner and I had a very terrible relationship, which made work extremely difficult. And eventually my own personal ethics and morals and calling just were no longer in alignment with my old business. And I had, while doing that business, was cultivating something on the side, Archaic Honey. And it was more of like a personal outlet of just sharing my own spiritual growth and my own tarot practice and, and those types of things. And it was on, gosh, I don't specifically remember the date. It was on a Aries blood moon, maybe in 2014 or 2015. I made a very conscious decision that I was going to leave my old business and move full-time into being a full-time witch. And so the leap that I made, I don't know, it's kind of hard to say, how did I do it? <laughs> or to answer that question, because it's so, there are so many layers to it. What I did was, is I spent like two years grooming someone to take over my position at my old business. And then that worked. And then I gave the finger to the world and <laughs> <laughs> went to the border of Mexico and hiked the PCT in 2017. And that was kind of like closing a chapter and opening a chapter for me. It was like a very hard reset. So I hiked 2,600 miles for five months. And when I was done with that, my 
mission was to find a place of solitude to connect more deeply with spirit and plants. And um, I found that place. <laughs> and that was when I fully launched into my work was in the fall of 2017. I hope that answers that. <laughs> it's a really complicated one for me. Oh, I think it's a, I think it's such a, it's such a, a deceptively simple question that everyone has a complicated a- answer to, which is why I find the question funny and wanted to ask you <laughs> because there isn't one answer, right? When it's like, we're going to, I'm going to dedicate myself to make this a business. It's not, <laughs> there's not one answer. Though I'm with you on the giving the finger to the world, burning all the bridges, blowing shit up um, path. I have, have a similar one. So yes. that's always super Aries. fun. That's an Aries moon thing. <laughs> oh Yeah. Yeah, just got to blow everything up, burn all the bridges and start fresh. Always climbing the mountain. I love blowing (laughs) things up. Wow, I feel so seen right now. (laughs) So with that transition, well, actually, let's talk a little about hiking. Do you want to talk about hiking? Oh, I can talk forever about hiking. (laughs) Tell me about hiking as a practice, like a witchcraft-related practice. Um, well... There, I would say there are two types of hiking. There's like your, the kind of hike that I did from Mexico to Canada was very hard and brutal, 20 mile plus days, really getting into a zone. So do you want to know more about that kind of hiking or more like? I want to talk about your PCT hike. Yeah. Cause I remember watching it on the Instagrams. You're all about Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. So it was kind of a weird world to enter into. It's a quite a popular trail. So you are in solitude to a degree, but there are also lots of other hikers around you. So it's kind of like staying true to your own hike. There's a saying in this in the long distance hiking world, they call them through hikers, is hike your own hike. <laughs> and that's a that can be applied to pretty much anything in life. Just hike your own hike. Do you? So each day was really just pushing my limits. And during that time, you know, I didn't have any of my, like my stuff. All I had was my pack, my sleeping bag, one pair of clothes, you know, two pairs of socks, my tent and my trekking poles and some food and water. I didn't have any of my, you know, like my spiritual supplies. So it was very much like my practice became very internalized. And, and I realized like, we don't need all of this, this stuff (laughs) to have a practice unnecessarily. It is good to have, you know, our tools and whatnot, but I think that there's a lot of emphasis on having tools rather than like what's really happening on the internal So yeah, each day out there hiking was just, I mean, to be totally honest, it's more about getting to the next water source and eating your snacks and sleeping. Yeah. The basics. (laughs) Yes. The basics. Absolutely. So you're just, it's very minimalist. Um, There's not a lot of like superfluous stuff and problems that you experience out there like that's kind of one of the big fears about going out on a long hike like that is you're, you're so afraid of what's going to happen. Like what if this breaks or what if that breaks or what if I lose a sock or, and I get blisters and things like that. 
it doesn't matter. Like when you get out there, like the, there's another saying and long distance hiking is that the trail provides, it always works out. And you can kind of like carry that over into your life. Like big problems become a lot less than out there. <laughs> do you have any plans to do another long hike? Oh man, I don't know. I, I would really like to, I have a dog now. And <laughs> long distance hiking with a dog can be very difficult um, because then the hike doesn't become about you. It's about them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause dogs, I mean, they're hardy creatures, but they are, um, they have a lot more limits than we do. Humans are surprisingly hard to kill. <laughs> That's good to know. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Or like they're surprisingly hardy, um, more hardy than dogs in many ways uh but a dog you know can't can't do like a 30 mile day regularly whereas a human being definitely can but i think that if i were to do another hike i would probably do a section hike on the pct here on the west coast or one trail that has really um had my interest is the arizona desert trail i really love hiking in the desert so kind of thinking about that. Well, you can swing by Asheville and drop off Usi with me and I'll take good care of her. I might take you up on that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell my partner. We're borrowing right. a dog. They'd have, Bea and Usi would have so much fun. So I'm just saying oh, she'll God. be fine. Yes, they would tear it up. <laughs> oh my God, I'd have no house left. And that's okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So where can people find you on the internet if they want to learn more about your work? They want to receive support from you. They want to check you out because you are just so fucking cool. Oh, I thank you. Well, you can go to my website. It is archaichoney.com. I have a blog and I have my tarot services there. If you want to book a reading with me, I have that available and I will be opening up bone readings soon. I feel that Obviously, through the discussion that we've had here, I'm certainly <laughs> feeling called to get back into that work. And then I have my Instagram, at Archaic Honey. And I also have a Patreon. I really love Patreon. It's um, an amazing platform for creators to get support each month. And I love supporting other creators on there because there's, like, there's no middleman. There's no algorithm they're choosing what you see it's like you get to choose what you see there and who you support so you can find me there and i do monthly weekly tarot reports as well as emailing um personal oracle readings tarot readings and i do one-on-one -on -one work there i'm usually sold out and booked up there so just got to keep your eye out yes we'll link all that up in the show notes and can i can i can i get you to tease your your next big project while we're here Oh my goodness. Okay. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. So we've been talking a lot about this embodiment and this um, magic and the mundane and the living or practice. So what I want to do is kind of take the mystery and the struggle out of creating a daily witchcraft practice. Because for me, when I first started off, getting into all of this it's like first there's information overload um 
And it can be so hard to decipher everything. And then there's a lot of gatekeeping that happens and all this mystery about how to live this as a practice. So I want to share with people how to embody a daily witchcraft practice. And I will be launching my course, I believe, in mid-January. I have not quite yet set a date. But you will soon. <laughs> I will soon. Through the powers of Sarah M. Chapel, I will. <laughs> Sarah M. Chapel, accountability witch bitch. It's fine. I'm totally comfortable with that. So we will make sure we get everything linked up in the show notes so folks can come find you on Patreon, support your work, get to work with you. And again, side note reminder, Britain did a reading for me. I ignored it and she was right. So I'm just saying there's, there's, some, there's something to, to the magic that's happening over there. Um, <laughs> oh, brutal. <laughs> I say it without regret to be super clear. Like uh, I'm with you. Like we take, you know, we take our journeys where we will and we always, we, one of my favorite quotes is from um, Candide by Voltaire. And it's basically in English is like, we might not get what we want, but we'll find at least stuff that's new. <laughs> like, at least it'll be different. Yeah, I love it. Well, I also love that it, like you said, like we're human too. Like readers are human too. Oh my God. We have we're, lives. We do. We're super human. We're super human. Not as in superhuman, like super space human. Very human. Very human. Yeah. Always good to remember. So we'll link everything up in the show notes. Keep an eye out for Britain's new program coming your way, which is going to be so fucking amazing. I'm so excited to see all that come into fruition. And uh, hey, Britain, can you give, uh, give your pup some love for me? Absolutely. Amazing. Everyone listening at home, thank you, or home, wherever the fuck you are. I don't know where you are. I, I can't see you. Um, but you, that's fine. Uh, I, what I'd love for you guys to do is to take a screenshot on your phone, because I'm pretty sure you're listening to this on your phone, um, of this episode, and uh, post it on your Instagram stories, and tag us, letting us know your favorite thing that you learned today. What did you learn at which school today? Tag me and Britain, we want to hear about it on the Instagrams because, um, you know, that's a great place to connect. Instagram has its own special witchcraft. Instagram is, is a many spirited creature. So come and tag us and, and we can, uh, we can make magic over there as well. And, uh, we'll see you guys on the internet next week. Bye for now. Bye.